can switch over to the slides, project the slides. Thank you. Right, good morning, and uh, it's an honour and privilege as always to worship the Lord together with you as we come to His Word even at this time. Let's commit this time to the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and gracious Redeemer. In Jesus' name, Amen. Words matter to us. We hear words every day from our spouse, our children, friends, colleagues, bosses, strangers. Some of these words encourage us. Some of them are more welcome than others. Others, other words pull us down or make us anxious. But giving and receiving words are very much part of our everyday existence for most of us. How we weigh and prioritize words we receive obviously depends on the speaker's relative importance to us. The call from the boss is always something to be taken seriously, while words from a spouse or child may be more meaningful than most. By that measure then, words from God must matter the most, since as our sovereign creator and redeemer, his words to us mean life. Men shall not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. What would happen then if we stopped receiving God's word, if his words no longer function in our lives? The big idea today then is that when there is no clear prophetic, prophetic vision or revelation of God's word, people quickly wander astray. This quoting from Proverbs 29 verse 18 from the Passion Translation. Last week we saw how Eli's sons were morally and spiritually corrupt. They served as priests but they would take advantage of the sacrificial offerings to indulge their appetites and live immorally. Israel's spiritual leadership then was spiritually bankrupt and morally compromised. There was no prophetic vision for the people, and this endangered the overall spiritual state of the nation. With the rise of Samuel, however, God was going to bring back prophetic vision and revelation of God's word to the nation of Israel. The prophet's role is to hear and receive the word of the Lord correctly and faithfully convey that word to his people. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, then, we're going to see that God is going to call Samuel to first of all to address the remoteness of God's word to his people, a second, to bring renewal to God's people. And third, to provide the revelation of His will, of His word, to His people. First, God called Samuel to address the remoteness of God's word to His people. Eli at that time was old and his eyes were weak and he could barely see. The way the scripture narrative describes Eli's physical condition invites us to see that Eli's dimmed eyesight is a symbol of the spiritual condition of the nation as well. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, we read that in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. 
there were not many visions. In Samuel's lifetime, however, in the mercy and compassion, in his mercy and compassion, God was going to revive the spiritual state of the nation by commissioning Samuel to be a prophet who will bring back the revelation of God's words to the people. In contrast to Eli and his sons, Samuel was positioned to receive his calling as a prophet. First Samuel chapter 2 tells us that Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord and grew in the favor of the Lord and in the eyes of the people, foreshadowing what would be much later spoken of of Jesus himself as he grew up in Luke chapter 2. In Samuel chapter 3, first uh, Samuel, Samuel chapter 3, the narrative again invites us to see how Samuel's life mirrors his spiritual closeness to the presence of the Lord. In verse 3, we read, the Lamb, of the, the Lamb of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. In his daily life and routine, Samuel was positioned near to the presence of the Lord. And while the rest of the nation was far removed from the revelation of God's word, here young Samuel was positioned to receive God's revelation because he was living and serving in God's presence. When God did start to call him, Samuel did not at first recognized that it was God's voice. In verse 7, we see that this was because Samuel had not encountered God in such a direct way before. So even though Samuel was routinely in God's presence, God's call to him represented an invitation or summons to a deeper level of experiencing God. In this case, the start of a prophetic ministry. Being instructed by Eli, Samuel comes to a point of faith response to God's call to him. The Lord came and stood there, calling as, in, at, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Samuel's experience of being positioned to receive God's word to learn how to recognize the voice of the Lord through His revealed Word and to respond in faith to God is also fundamentally relevant for our lives today as the church. Now, as Pastor Shen preached last week, at the time of Samuel and generally the Old Testament era, God's people did not have the complete revelation of the whole Bible. They had essentially the law of Moses and the priests and the prophets who would teach the law and bring the revelation of God's fresh word into the lives of the people. In our own time today, we have the complete revelation of God's word in both the Old and New Testaments in our scripture, the Bible. As believers, we also have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of wisdom and revelation, who takes the written word of the Lord and makes it a living word in our lives. 
able to work deeply within us to convict, to correct, encourage, and build our lives to be more and more like Christ in the way we live. The gift of prophecy is still active and valid in the New Testament era, but irregardless of whether we have that particular gift of prophecy, every believer in Christ has the privilege, the blessing, the duty to know and experience God through the Bible and the inner weakness of the Holy Spirit. We cannot afford to be remote from God's Word. We cannot let God's Word be irrelevant to our daily lives. And we do not read Scripture primarily as an academic exercise or a mere intellectual pursuit of knowledge. As Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the Word of God is active, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's Word speaks to every believer, and the Holy Spirit takes God's Word and transforms our lives according to God's calling and purpose. So God's word is not neutral or passive. The word of the Lord is living and active, able to build up what God wants in our lives and to pull down strongholds of the enemy and sin in our lives. All of us who are growing in our faith and our life with Jesus have experienced this in our difficulties and struggles, the word of the Lord seems to just come alive and speak powerfully into our exact situation to guide, encourage, and to counsel us. So we must be positioned to encounter God's word and to encounter God through his word and spirit each day. That is to say, we must intentionally seek out to read and to know God's Word. Now, a number of us are on daily Bible reading plans, such as the Bible Recap, and also devotionals like the Daily Bread. And these are good examples of how to intentionally come close to God to learn His Word every day, knowing that His Word is alive and active. Another good practice would be to allow God to have the first word and the last word every day, in addition to our daily devotional reading plan. That is to say, begin the day uh, with God's word, either a memory verse from the Bible app, or reading one, two, three verses progressively from the Psalms, and let that word set the tone at the very start of the day uh, before we get into WhatsApp, social media, and the news. I remember uh, a number of years ago, recent, in recent years, I, I've, you know, I've, I've noticed that sometimes I do start the day on the wrong foot and uh, you know, when you just wake up and you go and see the WhatsApp uh, messages and all that and you get worked up or you get upset or anxious or worried and that sets the tone of the day instead of God's word. But if we begin the day with just allowing ourselves that short moment 
to read and receive God's word, then that sets the tone and direction for us for the rest of the day. And then let God have the last word before you end the day. Don't go to bed with those anxious news, those social media stories, those fake or not so fake news. Don't go to sleep on that. That God has the last word. Some good practices would be like the daily examine where you review the day in God's presence. What made you joyful? What made you sad, anxious, angry? And allow God's spirit to make us grateful for his presence throughout the day. Ask for forgiveness. Resolve to do better and to anticipate the next day with God. Or you could simply end, end the day with the Bible verses with which you started the day with. Encountering God's word may or may not be drastic or dramatic or immediately, immediately noticeable in effect. But the word of the Lord is growing in us to mold, shape and transform us. And this is fundamental to every believer. In the same way, we are able to encourage and build up one another with God's word in our families, in our small groups, as many of you are doing. This is also fundamental to the life of the church, irregardless of whether we have the particular gift of prophecy. The particular gift of prophecy is given to individuals within a church community with the ability to receive a word from the Lord in greater measure and accuracy that speaks spiritual insight and foresight to an individual, to the church community, or even to the nation. That is, the prophetic word can speak decisively to the present or future or both. Now, because we have the complete revelation of God's Word in the Old and New Testaments, the word of the prophet today in today's church cannot contradict, add on, or change God's authoritative word in the Bible. And there needs to be discernment on the part of the one who receives the word of prophecy in the church community overall to see whether that word of prophecy is valid and what the appropriate response would be to a prophetic word. Some examples you can read from the book of Acts. For example, Agabus was a prophet in the early church. He received the word of the Lord that famine was coming upon the land, and the church responded to that. And the key to discernment is to know God's word through the Bible ourselves deeply. I've kind of, uh, kind of maybe I've mentioned this before, but uh, usually police officers, security officers, those who are working with the central bank, etc., when they try to spot uh, counterfeit currency, of course now everything is electronic currency, but in the past when we had notes, they don't try to look at examples of fake currency. They train their officers to only look at the genuine authentic note to know what is true very well, so well, that if you look at a, even at a good counterfeit, you will sense that something is amiss. 
And this is the primary way as well that we discern whether a word of the Lord is that has been spoken in prophecy, for example, whether that's true or not. But if we are not strong in God's word ourselves, then we will fall for things that are outside God's word or counsel. So to reiterate, every believer has a responsibility to know, believe, and obey God's word every day. Knowing God's word through the Bible at a personal level gives us a firm foundation on which to discern specific revelations or prophetic word given. And discernment also comes through mature believers and spiritual leaders who can pray and journey with us. And so it's quite rare for the prophetic word to be given in a private one-to-one. Usually, if you read the scripture, it is within a church community where they can discern the word together. And once we discern God's word and have the conviction of the Lord, for example, to seek reconciliation and forgiveness with someone, to pray specifically for someone, or to bless someone who has wronged you or cursed you, then we must respond in faith to God's word. Refusal to respond to God's word eventually leads to remoteness from God's heart. The word of the Lord is no longer active and alive in us to move us and convict us. We we have that sense of remoteness. But as we obey in faith, responding to God's word brings a renewed sense of God's forgiveness, acceptance, delight, and joy. Here's our first reflection question. What is one key conviction that you have received from God's word last year? And for the kids, what are some Bible verses that you have learned recently that means a lot to you? Let's take two minutes.
Second, God calls Samuel to bring renewal to God's people. As we saw last week, God is determined to judge and remove Eli's sons because of their abuse of spiritual authority and corrupt leadership. In fact, the, the first word of revelation that Samuel receives in 1 Samuel chapter 3 is God's confirmation that he will judge and remove Eli's family. The nation of Israel was going to experience a period of disruption and change because of the present state of spiritual darkness under Eli's and his son's leadership. Now, in the next following chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 4, we read that Israel went down in heavy military defeat against the Philistines and they lost the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God in the process. Eli's sons were killed in battle. Upon receiving the news, Eli and his daughter-in-law also died the same day. It was a traumatic and disruptive change in the life of the nation. But when there is disruption, it's very likely that God is going to bring transformational change and renewal. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God describes Jeremiah's prophetic ministry as one that will uproot and tear down to destroy and overthrow, but also to build and to plant. God often brings renewal from a period of traumatic and disruptive change. As the nation of Israel suffered traumatic loss of battle, the loss of their spiritual strength in terms of the ark and the leadership of Eli's family, God was working to bring renewal through the prophetic ministry of Samuel. In the midst of misery and loss, Samuel steps into his calling to bring back the power and revelation of God's word back to the nation of Israel. Disruptions frequently create room for unexpected change and innovation for those who adapt with the change. Before COVID, the typical development time for a vaccine was 10 to 15 years. At the start of the pandemic, the optimistic, the most optimistic scenario for a vaccine will be that it will take four years. But the first batch of COVID vaccines came out in less than a year. The pandemic has also accelerated technology adoption by the mainstream population at a rate that has rarely been seen. The typical technology adoption curve for a product or service takes an extended period of time. For some technologies, it never even reaches the mainstream. But it takes usually an extended period of time for the general population to start using it. But today, who has not heard of Zoom, right? Before the pandemic, Zoom was an inconvenient attempt to replicate in-person meetings. Uh, today, kindy kids uh, to grandparents are Zooming practitioners or even experts. Corporate work is now unthinkable without Zoom and its various equivalents. I remember uh, Brother Lycat sharing how he was uh, uh, what, uh, recovering and resting, and at that time he felt led to uh, 
to look at Zoom tutorials to learn about our Zoom because he, he kind of maybe received that conviction that uh, Zoom was going to be you know, required and Connie was uh, asking him, why are you wasting time watching these Zoom videos, how to uh, work in Zoom? Uh, but uh, yeah, the Lord uh, used them, both uh, like it and Connie, to bless a small group uh, so that they can gather together to worship and praise the Lord together through Zoom. Before the pandemic, most of the general public might have been forgiven for thinking that QR codes are a printing malfunction, some fudge or smudge on the page. Today, most of us know how to use a QR code. We may not know what QR stands for, but we sure know that we need to scan those things to get uh, something or to register for something. These changes in society were, were unimaginable before the disruption of the pandemic. Changes that would have taken years to have been adopted were done in months. Now, not all changes are necessarily good or beneficial, but we are living in an era of unrelenting change and intense uncertainty. Where is the prophetic voice of the church in this context? Now, in the fundamental aspect, the voice of the church is unchanging because the message of the gospel is unchanging. If God did not spare his son but gave him up for us, how will he not, along with Christ, give us all things, including everything we need in this period of change and uncertainty? Whether in times of prosperity and peace, or in times of fear and anxiety, Jesus is still the only name by which we must be saved. But what if God is going to accelerate spiritual revival and transformation out of the pandemic and post-COVID era? What if God is calling us to a prayer life or a prayer ministry at a different level of intensity. That your prayers and faith standing in the gap would mean the difference between life and death for some. What if out of this period of disruption, God will grant us divine favour in the workplace, in the schools and the communities around us, where your voice of influence or authority in the workplace will speak into the lives of peoples in companies, factories, and organizations in the marketplace. Where as a church, we will be given opportunities to influence and impact lives of students in schools. Lives of students whose education and social development have been completely upended over the last two years with no end inside of the chaos. We have church members who are serving in various capacities in MBS, MGS, Wesley Methodist School, Penang International. What if school ministries that will take years to build will now take months if we are open to God's call? Our social concerns have built up networks of relationships with NGOs and communities outside the church over the past two years? What if outreach ministries that would have taken years to build 
will now take months if we are open to God's call. In times of renewal, we must see things that we do not normally see. In times of accelerated change and immense uncertainty, we need to see and hear what God is doing around us. We must be a people called to understand the times we are in and to discern the move of God around us. Our spiritual eyes must not be dim. Our minds must not be dull. Our hearts must not be hardened against what God might be calling us to do. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. As our second reflection question, what are some needs around you that God may be calling you to address in this time of change and renewal? And for the younger kids, what are some of the things in your life that you wish you could change with God's help? Third, God calls Samuel to bring revelation to God's people. Proverbs 29, 18 again here says, Where there is no revelation, people cast out restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. The term revelation here can also be translated as prophetic vision. God's living word for his people in how they ought to live. The blessing comes when God's people obey His instruction or revelation. 
Because our faith is based on a living relationship with God, not knowing and obeying God's will deprives that faith relationship of its meaning and purpose. And if God's will comes fundamentally by the revelation of His Word, without the means of receiving and obeying His Word, the identity and calling of God's people start to deconstruct into sin and chaos as the people follow after the desires of their own hearts and pursue false gods and idols of their own making. And God raised Samuel so that the people might receive and respond once again to the revelation of his word. In 1 Samuel 3, 19, we read, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. What this means is that God fulfilled all the words of prophecy declared by Samuel. The people once again heard the word of the Lord declared and saw the the very word fulfilled in their midst. They literally experienced God's word as the living word. The Bible tells us God spoke and it came to being. So the word of the Lord revealed to us the spoken decree of the Lord carries weight and changes reality. As we saw earlier, God's word is not passive. It is not inactive. If God speaks a word over your life, it carries the weight of his power to transform and change our lives and the reality around us. And through Samuel, the the Lord's word was once again powerfully experienced in the lives of his people. Uh, Samuel's prophetic ministry was sustained by two key aspects, the relationship, his relationship with God and relevancy to the lives of the people. Samuel had an ongoing relationship with God. It was not just a one-time encounter when he was young, but it was an ongoing revelation, encounter, and encounter with God. In uh, chapter 3, verse 21, we read, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. So it was not just a one-time experience. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Samuel regularly encountered the Lord through the revelation of his word. Samuel's life of faith and prophetic revelation was not sustained by official position or through lifeless rituals. It was sustained by the continued living encounters with God. The word of the Lord came to him and revealed God's heart to him. And so a prophet is is one who not only receives the word of the Lord, but the prophet bears the weight of God's heart's desire, his love for his people, his anger at sin, his vision uh, for the future. If you read uh, Jeremiah, sometimes the prophet Jeremiah says, you know, I I don't want to speak, but the word of the Lord is burning within me. I cannot keep it in because the prophet bears the weight of God's heart within the word that is revealed. And so when the prophet speaks to the people, 
it is not just mere words that the prophet conveys, it is also the weight of God's heart, his desire behind the words. And therefore, God did not let the words of Samuel fall to the ground unfulfilled. God's honour and glory is at stake. The second thing that sustained Samuel's prophetic ministry was that the word of the Lord spoken through him was relevant and impactful to the people. In verse 20, we read that all Israel from Dan to Bathsheba recognised that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. Now, to be attested is to be confirmed, authenticated, validated as true. Samuel's prophetic words were confirmed and validated to be true by the people. The word of the Lord came true. It was fulfilled in the lives of the people. It made an impact to the nation. As we reflected earlier in our own context, not all of us have the gift of prophecy or called into a prophetic ministry. But as believers in Christ, we can all experience deeply the revelation of God's Word through the Bible with the inner witness and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We are all God's children. And as God's children, we should know the heart of our Father in heaven. We can experience the heart of our Father God in heaven through the revelation of His Word and by obeying His Word. And if God provides us with a prophetic word, then that prophetic word will likely build, strengthen, confirm, and direct what God is already doing in our lives. The prophetic word builds up and strengthens all that God is already doing, and so that the prophetic word often aligns with how God has already been convicting you and leading you, or if it's a new direction, God has already been preparing ahead of time for you to go through, through an ongoing relationship of trust and obedience to God. Paul gives us a good summary conclusion in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 12, when he prays that the church might be filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we might live a life worthy of the Lord and to please Him in every, day, in, in every way. One of the key challenges of the church is not that we don't know God's Word, it's that you know, we find it difficult to uh, obey what we do know, right? So uh, when the Word of the Lord comes to us, uh, don't change the subject, right? Even if it's an uncomfortable subject. It's, of course... You know, easy to just brush it off and try to change the subject and to uh, uh, divert attention away, but the, the word of the Lord comes to us in a convicting way. We shouldn't change the subject. I remember, uh, I mean, the end of the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus was telling Peter about what his destiny and calling would be, and Peter was trying to say, well, what about him? What about the other disciple? And Jesus, in effect, says, never mind about the other disciple. You follow me. And so that when the word of the Lord do, does come to us, even if it's an uncomfortable subject, don't change the subject. In a final reflection question, what are some of the things you are praying about 
for God's revelation and direction. And for the kids, how does knowing God's Word help you make right decisions every day? In conclusion, know that experiencing the truth of God's Word is an integral part of our faith. Be positioned to receive life-transforming convictions of God's Word and pursue obedience to God's Word. I just want to uh, have a very short period of uh, time praying for you, for all of those of you who are either waiting upon the Lord for God's conviction and revelation. I invite you to open your hearts to the Lord some of us are struggling with what God has revealed. There's some uncertainty or is something that's uncomfortable and I want to also pray for you. And others, we are wanting a greater level of relationship and encounter with the Lord to receive His revelation. I just want to invite us to just bow our heads and be, be still in His presence and allow His Spirit to bring his conviction, his comfort, his counsel, his assurance into your hearts even right now. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we give you thanks and praise for your word is alive, it is living, it is active. We know that if you speak, it will come to pass. If you are for us, who can be against us? And you will never let your word fall to the ground unfulfilled. And so we come before you, gracious God. There are a number of us here, Lord, that we are waiting 
for that conviction and revelation of your will. Father, we pray that you grant us a heart of faith and a waiting spirit, a spirit of hope and anticipation that you will indeed speak into our lives and into our situations. Lord, we open our lives to you, Father. We pray, O oh Lord, that your word, this moment, this day, will be alive and active in our lives. Lord, there are those of us, oh gracious God, that we are uncomfortable over what you have spoken. We pray for discernment. We pray for brothers and sisters in Christ who will come alongside to pray together with us so that we discern and confirm that word. But Lord, grant us the faith, the courage to know that you are a good God. You will not lead us to harm, but Lord, you will renew your living word for us to live courageously for Christ, knowing that our future is in your hands and our greatest joy will be in living and experiencing your will in our life. So, Lord, remove our doubts and our fears, but grant us that love and confidence in your Father heart. Gracious God, there are a number of us here also who desire after you, to desire a deeper level of encounter with you, that we are not satisfied anymore with a passive, inactive faith, but we want a living faith. We want a faith that transforms the circumstances of our lives, the hardness of our hearts. We want a faith that will transform those around us in our families, in our loved ones, in our schools, in our workplaces. Gracious God, we pray that you grant us the courage to avail ourselves to you as living sacrifices so that in this time of immense uncertainty, of pain, of change, Father, we will shine as lights. We will be those empowered by your living spirit. I want to pray, Lord, for those of us who you have prepared to receive that prophetic word. We pray that our hearts will be open. I pray, Lord, for those of us in our community whom you have set apart for a prophetic ministry. Father, we pray that we will not hold back. We will not shrink back from your calling. And for those, O oh Lord, who have been called for a prophetic ministry, I pray, Lord, that you release that anointing, that impartation of your calling upon their lives that they will be able to confirm and validate your calling upon their lives. And so, Lord, we surrender our lives to you, and we give you thanks and praise. And now may the Lord bless you and fill you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know and obey his word in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.